All right. Well, good afternoon. Um, I am Mickey Sandin with Procurement Services. Thanks for everybody who came today. Um, we are going to do try to do a really good job of speaking into the microphone. So I hope I don't blow you guys away here. But um, last month, our recording didn't work as well. So we're going to try to get our voices amplified a little bit more. Um, for those who are joining us on Zoom, if you do have any problems with your sound or audio, please just uh, chat, do the little chat, and Sarah is monitoring that for us. Okay, so welcome to June 2018 PED Talks. Today we have Hollis Anderson, our featured speaker on scientific purchasing, as well as Maggie Witt and KT Nelson from UNMC, and they'll be speaking on uniform guidance. So thanks for being here. Hollis, come on up. Thank you, Mickey. Um, for those of you that don't know my title, I'm the Senior Scientific Sources Specialist. Yeah, I'm going to use the microphone. Let me shut it off. Right here. And Here we go. So uh, appreciate you people that showed up here and all of you that are watching out on Zoom. Um, I've been doing this for a long time and I have an announcement. Um, after 46 years, I'll be retiring at the end of August. So we're looking for a replacement. Uh, when that happens, we'll make an announcement to the campus and then Probably sometime later September, there'll be an announcement for a retirement reception, too. So we'll let you know about that. Um, I'm going to start out for the first about 15 minutes and go over scientific purchasing. Maggie's got a few words here. Well, can you hear me all right out there? Okay. First off, I'm very honored to have spent a couple of years working with this young man here because he's got 46 years here, but you, those of you who know him know he's very active and um, I've enjoyed his, his he, he always tells me like it is. And we have some very candid and direct conversations, but I really admire his 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 will and and real determination to always take care of the customer here at the university and his commitment to the university is like it's it's right up there with the best and uh, I, I this is a wonderful team here and Hollis you're you're going to be missed but you've been wonderful to work with and and I think it's it's really an honor to to have spent some time with you here um, as we're looking for uh, this individual that's going to be stepping into that role, Hollis, is working with me on that. And we are also going to hopefully bring that individual around to meet everybody. So I think, you know, the door's open and Hollis will be, you know, in the office cross-training that individual for several months or a couple of months anyway. So please don't be strangers if you want to come by or if you have any specific questions. And I'll try to interject if Hollis looks at me and says, help on this piece, but he knows his stuff, okay? Thank you, Maggie. I just also wanted to add over these years, I was in labs in East Campus for about five years, but I've been stores and purchasing for 41, but this has been a labor of love to help any and all of you solve problems, 
and to help through purchase orders and a lot of sole sources over the years and some bids. And uh, it's been just been very, very enjoyable to help all of you through all those processes. So let's go to the first slide here. Of course, you know, we're dealing with a lot of different types of equipment and chemicals, apparatus, and, and the supplies off the contracts. And then we have Matheson for our industrial specialty gases. They handle most all those for the campus. Um, if you have questions or need help for equipment or quotes, contact Bertzine or myself when it's a scientific kind of item. Um, because I can help get comparative quotes, uh, or you, if you know the salespeople, you can also contact them uh, with uniform guidance, which Maggie and KT are gonna talk about more later. Um, that lower level has dropped to 10,000. So uh, with our prime suppliers, we have done bids there and there's contract pricing in place and there is an exception there, especially with Fisher. Their, their pricing for small equipment that's less than 5,000 is very well priced. But when we get above 5,000 where it's not per the contract, we want to get quotes, Fisher, VWR, or other suppliers if they're, if they're in that comp competitive arena. Um, but on the lower prices, uh, if you have quotes, you know, those can be just run through eShop and they'll, they'll go right out. If they're over $1,000 or so, I see those and release those. Uh, one exception here also is, and we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit on another slide, is, and this happened with chemistry, if you're buying something for, uh, in quantity of a, of a small item like a pot plate stir or some small lower price balances. If you're buying 10, 12 or more of those, you wanna get a quote for those because they'll always give you a better price on quantity like that. And we'll touch on that in the slide coming up here. Once you have these quotes, make sure you attach them to a requisition because if you get audited, they're there for the auditors. They can easily find those and check things out. As we go, if you have any questions, uh, please ask them. We'll, we'll address them as we go through the slides. Come on. Now, this is the benefits of utilizing prime suppliers. Um, all of them give us excellent customer service because we, for a lot of them, we've done prime supplier bids and they have service people on campus or they also have excellent customer service. A um, Couple exceptions here regarding the white glove delivery short truck and lift gates. This has to do with the larger equipment coming to campus. There are a few buildings that don't have docks or you can't get large trucks in. So uh, especially on like either Fisher or VWR orders, I will put white glove delivery and they will bring that to your lab, unpack it and set it up. And if, if you have a tight place to get a, 
a large truck in will also add short truck. And if you do not have a dock, we'll also add, uh, make sure the truck has a lift gate. And this does not add anything to the cost of your quote and your piece of equipment. That's all no charge. And because there's no shipping charge, especially with Fisher and VWR, the only time that would come into play if it was a smaller item and you wanted one day service, you're gonna have to pay shipping that way. Or if it's a third party item, and a lot of those run through Fisher, uh, there may be shipping charges for the third party. But it, by going through eShop that we still see advantages, you know, cost savings of not doing extra orders. And of course, you know, with those contracts, the prime vendor contracts, we have contract pricing and there can be price matching and <clears throat> there's ease of ordering. Um, when you have those quotes, you can click and drag the Fisher VWR quote right to your cart. You don't have to punch in all that, whatever lines you have. And if need be on certain products, talk to the salespeople, they can do arrange product demos, even if it's with some of their suppliers. And sometimes there may be need, like if it's a water system, they may need to have, like Fisher Millipore would bring somebody in from Kansas City and set that up. A lot of the other, if it's white glove delivery, the, the delivery people will install and set those up in the lab. And I've already talked about the volume discounts on, it could be large or small purchases. And most all of this, meets and you know comes under the requirements of the uniform guidance okay here's a list of 14 this is in our lab and medical there's two uh medical item or companies here medline and um it's henry shine that and then we have maths and gas our prime gas supplier but the rest are all scientific related and you see that probably daily that's on the, the home page of eShop now some unique resources that we have or what we can help Alice, you out would you mind going back just hit the reverse I think if you just hit the page up instead no nope, page up there you go. I just wanted to add something. When Hollis was on the previous slide, I want to make sure you can hear me. Sorry if I look a little strange here. <laughs> um, so the real point we want to make here is when you're using eShop, and we are going to talk in a few minutes about uniform guidance, but because these are contract suppliers and they're prime and or you know what we refer to as catalog vendors, we've gone through the process of vetting everything they meet all of the uniform guidance criteria you need. So a lot of the purchases are going to fall within all the criteria we talk about that later in the presentation. So we wanna to try to help reinforce that a lot of the purchases are already going to meet, you know, that you're making are already gonna meet uniform guidance requirements. It's when we get outside of that realm that's probably gonna take a little extra effort. So we just wanna help reinforce that education and we're going to continue more education as the year goes on 
we'll guide everybody through the process, but we do want to make sure you know that when you're shopping in eShop, you got a lot of that already taken care of. Okay. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Okay. Some of these unique resources. Um, some of you may know, uh, we call it inventory resource or in the receiving area of Beetle Center, we have freezers that have enzymes. Uh, we have some refrigerators that have other products. And we have, you have some dry cabinets for some of the suppliers. There's about six of them there right now. But how this saves you money is um, Alan Mothersbaugh uh, does the reordering for it. This is consignment stock. And so either once a week or every two weeks, he does an order. And because of the bundling, there's no shipping charges. So that saves you that way. Also, um, most of those have discounts for the product also. One other tip here, um, say a researcher needs an item from one of these suppliers, but it's not in stock. Uh, if you time it right and let Alan know, he can add that to his order and you'll avoid $40, $50 shipping charge. So um, that can be very, very helpful. We do have smart spend here. That is a, a Fisher Scientific term. We're in the process of changing that. That is for lower cost alternative items where you can save money, but we'll change the name and then have eventually have that on their punch out as an icon so you know what those products are. I'm going to add something to that. So that's technology that eShop offers. And those of you that know eShop well enough know it's the Jagger technology. So basically, we can use that across a lot of our suppliers who offer, you know, maybe you don't care if it's a Corningware test tube. You know, maybe you're fine buying the one that was made by Corningware but doesn't have their name stamped on it or some other piece of equipment that is considered an equivalent, but maybe you're going to be able to save 50% on the cost. Fisher, VWR, all of our prime suppliers offer several products that are like that in their catalogs. And uh, other suppliers that are prime suppliers offer products like that as well. They're called private label products. So we're coming up with our own version of that. And um, actually, you may actually get an email from us to participate in a naming contest for this, this icon because it's technology for eShop. And we're working on this right now with Julie Davids and the people at Jagger. And the, the concept of smart spend is what Fisher calls it, but we can use it across Jagger. And as, as Hollis described, basically what the people at Fisher do and other suppliers, they just apply that icon to those lower cost items and they pop up when you're looking at something that's a name brand item. So like when you're shopping and you're like, oh, do you like this item? Would you like to pay less? So it's kind of nifty. So look for that. Okay, thank you. Tax-free alcohol, a lot of you order that or know about that, but um, that's something that we have in stock because of our tax-free alcohol permit. Uh, from Fisher VWR, you cannot order that directly because you have to have a permit, and that's what we have through procurement for many decades. Um, 
the pricing is through Fisher from Decon as our supplier. Um, and that is, uh, we rebated pricing, so it's very, very low priced. Um, we have 100% or 200 proof in gallons. We also have that in pints. And then we have the 190, which is diluted with just 5% water. Now, they both have some methanol, ethanol type products that are denatured with poisonous type items. Those are very expensive, but sometimes a lab may need those. But for general purposes, this is the way to go. And what you do is you fill out a paper requisition and send it to Bob Garrett Moving Services and you can fax that to 7051. And within a day or two out of our stock, which is in the printing vault, they'll deliver it right to wherever you, you want it. The international purchases, a number of you get involved with those over the years because a lot of our high-end equipment comes from international suppliers all over the world. And you really need to work through procurement and the, and the buyer, myself, probably has handled most of those over the years. Um, in the past up to currently here, those orders have had to be done by or through SAP, but in the next week or two, we're about ready to announce that those orders can go through eShop. I still put the message, and I know Pat does that, that your address is the consignment address for delivery, but most of them we try to get through Phil Patterson and our custom broker in Omaha, that's the notify party, just so they get paperwork so they can clear it. A lot of them are cleared in Omaha, but sometimes they can clear them in Chicago or East or West Coast. And then the billings all come to myself and accounting person and then Jim Bogle, our financial guy, because it's better to have those processed through one process because years ago they were coming to departments and paper was getting lost. Um, also, they weren't paid in a timely manner. So uh, once those come in, I check out, make sure or get the PO, check with the department to make sure if they want the same cost center that's on the PO or a different cost center, that's their choice. And once Jim direct pays those, then he sends that paperwork to the department. So they have that for their records to be, be part of the purchase order. And also between the med center and UNL, um, every, every end of the year, we pay $200 each for a blanket bond that saves 3% when they come in and large, large dollar equipment that saves thousands of dollars for each campus over a year. Uh, what you do have to pay though, is if, if there is duty, sometimes those are very minimal. We do not see those, but there, there may be freight from uh, Omaha to Lincoln or maybe Chicago and um, and that's how those are processed. Okay, now formal bids. Um, if you have several manufacturers that make a piece of equipment and 
You want it to be bid, it could be the lower cost ITB or RFQ or even uh, something over 150,000 for an RFP. Uh, probably from the professor or a postdoc, we would need specifications because uh, we would work up our attributes with our front end kind of boilerplate part of the, of the uh, bid. And those are out for at least two weeks, 15 days. And sometimes, you know, that process can take a couple months. Now, uh, we have sole source coming up here, but I'll just touch base on this right now. If it's a bid that ends up over 400,000 or sole source, we still have to have it approved. I'll make a few more comments on the next slide. For certain things or the prime vendor bids that we do, there may be evaluation committee. And then before the PO is sent out, there's a seven day protest period. So you have to keep that in mind because we don't release the purchase order right away. Okay, here's the sole source. And again, we show you that 10,000 level there. Um, and in that 10,000 to 149.99, you're gonna to have to have the buyer and then the director of procurement services sign off on that. And you're gonna to have to have very good justification due to the uniform guidance. Now, if you're over 150 up to the 400,000 level, those have to be sent over to the vice chancellor for business and finance. And depending on that process that could be as short as two days or it might be a week or so, just depending on how things work through the system. And then I mentioned the 400,000. Um, one other thing here with the board, they only meet six times a year. So if you need to know about that timing, call the buyer or if it's something for me, call me because I've, we've got the, the listing of when they meet it takes almost six weeks now because as of two years ago, they go through the vice chancellor business office out to central administration. And then they also have to go through the business affairs committee. So that's why it added more time. So it could be as much as two months, depending on your timing, before an order could even be released. So keep that in mind. Hey, Hollis, I'll give an example. We have a project we're working on. This isn't scientific, but for athletics. We started in February, just gathering information, trying conceptually. We are letting the bid in a week or so and just working it backwards. They wanted it to be at the board meeting for October because we know it's going to have to be in for signatures by you know by August and to the business affairs committee the end of August before September so it can be at the Board of Regents meeting in October so you do have to really be thinking about that it doesn't mean you should avoid avoid a bid it just means that you got to think about that and plan it like part of the process when you're selecting what you need for the lab or for you know, the equipment that's gonna be purchased, where it's gonna be put, you gotta think about that in the timeline. So 
Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Anything more here? Okay, that kind of ends my part, but are there any questions? Do you have any? Go ahead, Pat. actually have a couple of questions. I do want to say though, Hollis, that I'm going to miss you a lot. I've enjoyed working with you very much. Um, first question is on that white glove policy. Yes. And so that's with all of our prime vendors that are in the no, shop or just only, Fisher? Only Fisher and, and some of the VWR larger equipment. Okay, is, so it's for the large equipment. And yes. do we just put that in internal you notes? You don't really need it for small hot plates or balances. Mm -hmm. It might be a um, biosafety cabinet. Mm -hmm. okay. It might be a water system. You're going to, you know, those are larger. You're going to need a dock and help getting those in. And okay. you don't have to pay for it. You know, it might be built into the quote, but still, those quotes are very competitive. So okay. um, we always try to use that whenever we can when it's applicable. Okay. I didn't know that was offered. Do we put that in internal notes when we want something yes, like that? Yes, especially like okay. Fisher and Glory. When that's in yeah. there, any, any external notes Glory sees, or if it's mm -hmm. a, for some reason, it might be a non-catalog order form, Glory will see those. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, second question is on, you mentioned the um, internal, uh, international orders that are going to be going through eShop. So we'll probably get more information on that down the road, like we'll, yes. like in putting W8s in that, we'll probably go in the, into eShop, I'm assuming. Or? Yeah, AP needs, they need to make sure they have everything, all their ducks in the row so that they can see those are paid by wire by Sheila Stewart. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've got to have them set up. I mean, they don't have federal IDs, but Sheila right. sets those up and they got to have that process working so we send them out now they may go by fax or they might go by an email i mean a lot of our a lot of our e-shop orders are going more by email now because sometimes the fax numbers don't work or they're wrong so we've been switching a lot of those over okay so that's just going to come down as a notice everybody knowing that okay now we're going to start doing the it does depend on the supplier but AP okay. does coordinate that, and Sheila's got it down to a science. She, yes, she mm -hmm. are, she communicates internationally with all those suppliers. A lot of them are very e email savvy, so a lot of them do right. their paperwork electronically over email. But some of them are fax, but for the most part, those are paid by wire. Okay. So, so and did you say you had an estimate time of when it would maybe be an eShop then, or? Uh, we're thinking in the next couple of weeks. They're oh, really? On okay. that. They're really working fast on okay. getting that done. Great. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I know we had a meeting scheduled for yesterday. The ladies had to postpone, but they're really trying to get it done. So I'm excited about that. Okay. Great. So that's all I have. Thank you. One other thing uh, that I'll add to that I see when Sheila converts, I mean, she's converting dollars to euros or whatever. There's the, like, I think there's a $10 charge that the department has to pay the wire fee you have to pay that so just so you're aware of that okay okay kim 
Uh, it's Jill. I have a, a so, no, it's fine. I have a sole source question. Um, does that apply just to equipment? Because we send samples in for analysis uh, to like Charles River Labs, yeah. and sometimes that can get kind of expensive. So does that have to go through? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, because sometimes those are, what, 20000 yeah. or better? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're the only ones that can do that analysis. And because it's you're over the ten thousand, they're going to have to you're going to have to do a justification and have the two signatures on the, the sole source form. So, so, so you don't have to um, at the hundred and fifty and above, right? Then you're going to need to do formal sole source forms. But when you're in that ten thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand and you send the order to Hollis through eShop, we can add comments. And so if an auditor comes in, um, we can do adapt the sole source forms, but it's, it doesn't have to take that long, or we can verify that this is a sole source. This lab is the only one that can do it for continuity of research. It has to continue to be done by lab XYZ. We can't bid this right now. You know, So there are comments we can add. So we do need to do that, though. We can't just say, of course, we need to continue with this. Well, we, will, we will have to add comments and things like that. So do I have to put that in the internal notes? Or yes, how does you that, can okay. do it in the internal notes, talking with your buyer. Those will all stop in purchasing. So they have to approve it. See, so their name's on it after your name's on it. The buck will stop with them if the auditor comes by. Okay. Okay. So we don't have to use our regular sole source form? Or I, I guess the, I'm glad you cut that. No, yeah, I think the thing to remember is the signature authority still follows. So it's if it's 20,000, it's within the proper range, but it's still going to require that sole source documentation to accompany it. So, but the logic is that if it's a sole source, it just means you didn't have to get competitive quotes. We'll still adapt it to the process and make sure that we notate that, hey, this is a sole source, we agree with the buyer, the person sending this in, that this is. And we'll adapt it and say, per policy, we agree and accept that this is a sole source and make sure that we document it accordingly. So whether the form or language adopted from the form is put in there, and it's probably a good idea that we find a way to make that a little more efficient in the system. So I kind of like the idea of looking for a way to make eShop help us along the way so i'm going to take a note on that all right so we may not necessarily do like above twenty-five thousand on up we were doing source force and quote but it might be adapted from that then okay i think we still have more to vet on that because that's a very good question and I think as we're going through it, I think you put something through and it's obvious you can't get another lab to do that. But if it's something that could be comparative quotes, it's when we get up here and we're going to define a little bit more on sole sources and, you know, what uniform guidance says about it, because I don't want to be the first university audited on this. <laughs> Nobody wants to be the first, but I'm sure somebody's going to have to be and all the other procurement leadership for the Big Ten, we were talking about this at our last two meetings and really getting into the definition of this. So we're all comparing notes and making sure that we all understand it thoroughly. 
um, we feel strongly that, you know, pretty much at every level, it's just going to be the obligation on us to document very carefully, you know, at, in a consistent manner. So, like, I hear what Hollis is saying and what he is suggesting is on, you know, lower dollar, you know, it, it, if it's a lab transaction that we commonly purchase from this company, and that makes logical sense. No, you're not going to go to another laboratory for this because this is exactly what they do. But if it's a piece of equipment where we had a choice, we might need to do a comparative quote. That's what the uniform guidance says, just to justify that it's a reasonable purchase value, um, even though that's the one you need and it's got the features that you're looking for. So I, I'll get into that in a minute. If we can find a way to make it easier in eShop and not attach that form, that could be something we can do too. We haven't investigated that, but I like that idea. I do. Because, you know, I think some of our processes, all the forms and scan this and attach that are also time consuming for all of you. And we'd like to find easier ways to do business. So it doesn't have to be that form. Maybe there's an easier way. So I know you're all used to it. Would you mind if we took a few pieces of paper away? <laughs> so we'll look at easier ways, but we'll continue that discussion. Sorry. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. Um, so from online, it says, can we still use P cards to process international orders? Of course, if the item is allowed and it is under the dollar amount. So I think this is a partial scientific well, and also maybe yeah. you weren't paying attention, were you? <laughs> it's okay. So can we still use P card to process international orders? Of course, if the item is allowed and it is under the dollar amount. Well, I know sometimes in biological science years ago, sometimes their cards would get compromised. So you know, I think you have to be careful. You can certainly have the, the $5,000 level. But, uh, so it, on the universities, we're not changing the P card level. So you're not going to get in trouble with uniform guidance. There's a $5,000 daily and a $10,000 monthly. So you're not going to go over that without asking to. And then your P card people that couldn't give you those rights is going to do more work. U using your card internationally at the med center where I'm from, it's very rare occasion. We usually go through the controller's office when you're kind of doing that because people are like, oh, this guy wants it from, you know, this African country. And it's very legit, but we've never done it before and they get nervous about it. So um, certainly the P card is used internationally and can be used internationally, but with caution on some of it. That it, Sarah? Okay, we'll turn it over to KT and Maggie. I'll use this. Okay. Okay, so my name is KT Nelson. I manage procurement services at University of Nebraska Medical Center campus, and I have to say thank you to Hollis too. I joined seven years ago, and Hollis has been invaluable. I have a long-term science research um, buyer as well, and she just retired last month after 29 years. So between Hollis and Claire, we had, you know, upwards of 100. I mean, so much experience. So 
thank you to them for taking us on years ago and helping us come along. Um, uniform guidance is uh, something that all four campuses are doing. So that's why I'm here just as a resource um, and a collaboration and a colleague effort between our campuses. Uh, uniform guidance, what is it? It is the federal government cleaning up their 20 some volumes of guidance that has been in place for years, decades, uh, into one volume. Well, it's a very big volume, but it's one volume. So they've gone through all of the requirements on how you use federal money when you do your research. It started being implemented in 2014. Right now, July 1, 2018 is the final deadline. So all procurement organizations across the country are now flipping with the uniform guidance standards. So the Office of Management and Budget, they are the people that are running the uniform guidance across the country. They will be doing audits at universities. We have hundreds of millions of dollars at the Med Center. Lincoln has hundreds of millions of dollars of federal grants. So it will be at some point, our books will be looked at. I'm sure other people are in front of us. But um, so we'll learn from their audits as well what Uniform Guidance is looking for. We are sticking with that $10,000 number. Some parts of Uniform Guidance give a lower number, but all of the big universities are sticking at that $10,000 mark is the point that you start having to get quotes at. Um, its intent is to do spend money better. So the Technically, right, it's for federal grants. However, there is something in the federal code that says, watch out, we're going to look at all your spending. You should do it the same way for non-federal money that you do for federal money. Because they know, you know, that if you have access to cost centers, you probably have access to other cost centers that aren't on your federal grant. And they're going to make sure that you're not moving money and behaving differently. So they want all of the grants, all of the cost centers, grant or non-grant, to be administered the same way. So that's why these purchase levels are gonna be administered whether it's a federal grant cost center or not. Oh, wrong way. So that's that point. It's going to be uh, include everything that every campus buys. So I'm at the Med Center campus. Um, we have colleagues on all four campuses, Kearney, UNO, Lincoln. We've all worked together. There's a few different spots where the procurement rules are published. So you've got the Board of Regents guidelines, then you have campus policies, and you have campus websites. So we as a group have gone through and cleaned up all of those, and they're going to be posting July 1. The Board of Regents meets on June 28th. Once they agree to all the changes we've made, they'll get posted. So the Board of Regents rules will be all one for everybody, then all of our campus policies will fall in line and all of our websites will say the same thing too. So it doesn't matter what campus you're on, everybody's going to have the same buying rules. Right now you guys had that $25,000 kind of an up limit. UNMC was an open limit, you know, up to 150. It was a recommended. So right now it's a hard stop at the 10,000. So I can let Maggie give a little uh, step in and she talk about your campus and these purchase levels. Uh, it is the same though at every campus. So we've worked really hard and we will back each other up 
should someone need help on a purchase at a different campus or we work for campus wide to do, you know, like we did for the office supplies, or we do the, for the medical supplies or the science research supplies. So when we do those, we're all operating under the same rules. I could just let her take it anyway. She's doing a great job. Um, KT has um, been more than invaluable in this process. She's actually led the team that helped do the entire revamp for uniform guidance for us. <laughs> and she helped rewrite the entire board policy chapter six for the entire team for procurement. So we really owe it a lot to KT. We very are very grateful too. Thank you. Uh, that's a lot of work. It's not small going through that entire chapter. Thank you. Um, so, and this is something that for me, being kind of new to higher ed, you know, I think those of you that know me here on this campus know it's just my second year, not in purchasing, but here in higher ed. So it was still getting used to all of this. Um, a micro purchase, as you probably don't, it's not micro to me. At home, $10,000 is a lot of money, but on our campus, um, that used to be 25. So now that's that threshold where you need to, you know, below that. You know, you don't have to worry about it, but above that, you're going to have to worry about that. You know, the quotes. Okay, so that's what that's what uh, that's what that is what uniform guidance is saying. Basically, up to ten thousand dollars, you're not going to have to worry about those competitive quotes. But a small purchase between, so really, you could probably say between you know zero to nine ninety nine. Uh, small purchases, ten thousand up to the hundred fifty thousand dollar level, which is called a small purchase, or the this is what uniform guidance refers to it as simplified acquisition threshold, which is for us one hundred fifty thousand, which is the same as uniform guidance. That is where you will need to have competitive or comparative quotes, depending on which way you phrase that, and. This is what our website will be updated to read as well. So as we're kind of stating throughout here. And then our competitive proposals, RFPs, no changes uh, for over 150,000. It's the same as we've always had. And then one major change, and this may not affect the scientific community, but this is affecting particularly those areas like in facilities and some of the custom build areas. It may affect a specific project. Um, this last bullet is a big change in uniform guidance is contractors who assist in drafting specifications for some project are not allowed to compete in the RFP. So it's important to make note of that. If, you know, if your professor or somebody is wanting to work with a specific supplier, um, we're going to want to have a conversation beforehand and talk about that so that we can kind of understand the nature of that relationship, that if it's going to go out for bid um, or if it's a sole source. So we're going to have to understand that beforehand. So engaging procurement early will be the right way to have that discussion so that if it should go out for bid, that would disqualify that supplier from a competitive bid situation. Does that make sense? everyone or this is I? a big this is a big change and it's yeah, in, this is huge. in the construction areas it's also in you know specialty research you know we have down at the med center all kinds of 
things that are specially built, and a lot of them are designed using the vendor that's going to build, build it, help write the specs. Right. Um, unless it's truly, truly a very obvious sole source, you don't want to involve those vendors to the point where they right. become disqualified from bidding on right. the final product. So, you know, it's easy to see it in construction, like those audiovisual guys that come in and say, mm -hmm. this is where all the mics are going to go and this is where all the TVs are going to go. You don't want them doing that anymore or they're not going to be able to bid on right. putting all that stuff in. It helps your construction people, um, gives them a quick out that they don't have to decide where the plugs go and where the where all the outlets are and where all the visual cables go. But for uniform guidance, it's not going to be allowed anymore. So it's right. a big, big change. And I would also point out when we work, uh, Maggie and I, with our colleagues at other universities, you know, a lot of universities are very nervous about uniform guidance. Mm -hmm. It does look like a lot more work. Getting quotes for everything over $10,000 can be a lot of work. Um, the big plus that we have is that five years ago, Nebraska invested in eShop, the Jagger software system that we call eShop, and it's going to allow us to do a lot with the people we have. So adding quotes, looking at quotes, using those front tiles where all the stuff has already been competitively bid, using um, those front tiles to purchase your items or get quotes from two different places. Um, you can get a quote from BWR and Fisher. So you can attach those. And in those cases, we've already got competitive quotes. So using the system, and then the system's going to route it for the right signatures, and the right people are going to look at it at dollar levels, things will stop. Um, the system is going to help us a lot. So for the universities that haven't invested in something like this, they're scrambling right now to try and create that wheel that we've already had five years, you know, learning how to do adapt. So we're very lucky to have that. Um, and it's going to, you know, give you guys some peace of mind, too, that there's other people looking at this and it's not going to affect your research dollars that you have somebody here trying to help you, too, with the rules before you get into any trouble. KT, you made a really good point. We are we are ahead of the game when it comes to e-procurement. Um, just driving the system and the software that we already have really does make it a lot better. So in the especially in the scientific arena. Um, eShop is definitely, you know, state of the art and we probably are in the best state, best condition with the suppliers that we have. So if there's something you need that we don't have there, you know, definitely keep us surprised and uh, we're going to have somebody in place. We've got some really good candidates. We're really excited about who we've got in the wings and we'll be excited to let you know in that area. But if, you know, so we're not stopping for nothing, um, but we just want to keep you posted here. Um, that last one, if you have something that comes up, if it's a new project, if you hear about it, um, we're probably going to want to make sure that we're engaged earlier in the process, not waiting until they're about 70% down the road, like maybe up front, just having a conversation. Okay, I promised a little bit of information. How am I doing on time? Good, we're fine. So this is, this is actually some detail from, uh, from one of our Big Ten procurement leadership meetings. There's, uh, what is it, 16 schools in the Big Ten, I think, if I'm not mistaken. 14? Okay. Thank you. I, I can't count. See, why is it called the Big Ten? Uh, that drives me nuts. Makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, okay. Um, 
So see, none of it makes any sense, all right? No, I'm just having fun. Um, so this is probably one of the coolest things is getting together with people that, you know, this academic alliance and we all trade notes. And some of these people actually read the entire uniform guidance and we kind of compiled this slide that told us what were the most distinct challenges we were going to have to face and so we set up this definition that told us exactly what we had to worry about when it came to sole sources so everybody said so what is a sole source it's procurement by non-competitive proposals so everybody had kind of differing <clears throat> definitions of it but we just said that's what it is it's a solicitation of a proposal from one source and it's considered legitimate when only one or more of the following circumstances apply. So, and, and I'm going to add that number one, that has to be proven, okay? We could have written a longer sentence there, but let me just say that what we're finding out, it means that you literally have to demonstrate that it can only be available from a single source. It doesn't just mean you can say, we really like it, and it's a really nifty camera. Um, because if there are more than one source out there, or is more than one source, then it already is disqualified. That it, it literally has to be proven. Number two, the public exigency or emergency for the requirement would not permit a delay resulting from a competitive solicit solicitation, meaning it's a rush, literally. Now, if somebody tries to fake that into the situation, an auditor might be able to figure that out. So we know those happen. Emergencies happen. Uh, if the entity expressly authorizes that that particular item has to be bought and, and we don't have the opportunity to get a proposals, that happens, but not very often. I haven't seen it very often. This last one is the one that we saw that really thinks we think is going to be the most common situation is competition is not adequate but you're still gonna have to look around. So this is something that I think is gonna have to happen more frequently than we've seen in the past. So if somebody needs microscopes or you know, some expensive equipment in certain situations, there are many times I think we're gonna see more situations where we have to get competitive bids. So I'm, we, we've had a lot of conversations about it with some very experienced scientific buyers and our suppliers are ramping up to try to help us prepare for it. So I think we've got a lot of good prime vendors. Yeah, and I would just say a couple things on this, this slide. So if you're in the room or you're listening and you are in that construction area, so um, purchases and, and how you spend your money, there is that uh, instead of doing RFPs or sole sources, you do requests for qualifications. Mm -hmm. That's a little different from this. So, you know, don't get nervous that your world's changing. Qualifying suppliers for large, you know, building a building and things okay. like that is still in place and acceptable in uniform guidance. So what we're talking about here for RFPs and sole source at the 150 is when you're out there looking for goods and services that could be found elsewhere. I'll say that I joined seven years ago. I really pushed on the buying group to move away from sole source. We do 30% more RFPs now than we've ever done before. We have, you know, saved millions, millions of dollars doing RFPs instead of sole sources. That being said, people are scared of it because, oh, it's going to slow everything down and I can just get four signatures and I'm done versus doing a bid. 
between all the campuses, we have templates. We are set to go. We will turn bids around in a fast time period. Yes, they have to be on the street for at least 15 days, but putting it on the street and taking it off in a timely manner, you may get a bid you didn't expect. I have had, you know, College of Dentistry. I've had other scientific equipment very surprised at where they ended up versus what they thought they were going to do a sole source on. So it is helpful if no one replies or if it's really a sole source or you request quotes even in that lower range and you don't get it responses back but the one you wanted anyways, you've done your work. It doesn't mean you have to have three quotes. It doesn't mean you have to have three bids respond back to your RFP. It just means that we've done our due diligence, we've done the work, and we've given a fair shot to the open market. That's, and due diligence is one of the biggest purposes behind uniform guidance is just ensuring that that's there. When you think about it, 15 days isn't that long when I see how long some of these things float around. But any questions? I think we're going to summarize. Okay. I know this is kind of dry material, so. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I think we reinforced this point, right? Use eShop. It's there to help you, and it basically, you know, if you're working with contracted prime suppliers, you're already meeting uniform guidance requirements. I mean, uh, that those suppliers are, you know, when they're in eShop, they are, you know, on those tiles. We have prime supplier agreements with those suppliers. We've done the bids. Mm -hmm. Everything in that contract, everything on available to you there has been negotiated. And uh, we are planning more information about uniform guidance as we go forward, but we thought it was really pertinent to come and support Hollis because there's often so much surrounding uh, the special nature of the things that he sources for you and that you bring to Hollis. So we thought it would be really appropriate to this audience. So thank you for letting us share. Um, Hollis, do you want to wrap up? Thank you, Maggie. I mean, this goes for myself, but any of our other buyers also, but um, you want to engage procurement as early in the process as you can, especially if in the large purchase or even like if it's a, over 400,000, so you know the time frame. Uh, it can help mitigate risk, uh, even on the international purchases, and it protects the researchers you know, from various different aspects. Um, of course, in the, starting July 1, we're going to need to comply with uniform guidance. And, you know, we help negotiate contracts. Um, used to do that, a lot of that with Claire, myself, on like our radioactive. And uh, then, of course, we've done bids for the prime vendors. And, and when we do all this, this frees up funds, uh, like other startups, so they can buy more equipment that way. Um, you know, with our budget situation, um, that just helps save them money for, you know, number of types of uses. So, that the last one. Any final questions?
Um, this is about the sole source. So if you have um, some scientific equipment that um, you already have in place and you want to order another piece of equipment that is going to be compatible with that, those other equipment, but you can maybe get it from other vendors, would that be considered a sole source because you, you want it all from that one particular vendor so that it all works together? Well, for you, I mean, I know what you're referring to here. You have a lot of your weather um, systems around the state for mm -hmm. your researcher, and you replace those components mm -hmm. periodically because they wear out or they go bad. You've done a lot mm -hmm. of that. Sometimes it's small, small amounts. Sometimes you've been over 25,000. Right. So, you know, it kind of depends on what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that also it's hard in equipment areas because you have these distributors and some people have the rights to distribute in a certain area and others don't. So you're almost in a sole source situation because you want to buy this GE, you know, ultrasound. Um, you got to buy 10 of them and there's only one distributor for your area. So you do engage with purchasing. We will work out on the best contracted pricing we can get for you. We do have access to cooperatives as well as the things we've negotiated ourselves. So we have, we can look at pricing from a couple different angles. It might be the distributor, but once we give them a different tier, we get a different price once we tell them what other cooperatives we're belonging to. So just know that even though it is a sole source, there are other ways to get pricing than just your, um, the, your salesperson. And some of it is us just knowing what you're doing and looking at what other, uh, access we have to other pricing for you. Okay. Now, there'll be times when you have a piece of equipment, you have to buy the right items to put in that piece of equipment for research. So you can't just go, you're, you have an Agilent piece of equipment, you have to buy this different Agilent, you know, all the supplies that go in it, or else your warranty doesn't work. So of course, you, you, those are sole sources. However, when you get up there and you're buying $150,000 of these things, let us at least look at what you're committing to so we can help you with some of that pricing. And I might just add sometimes on some of this equipment might be after depreciation after eight years. And, but we do, we do sell a number of upgrades and most of the time that's going to have to come from the supplier. I mean, usually those larger companies are the manufacturer and they may be fifty hundred thousand dollars with the, with the, uh, repair plus an upgrade of a, a system and then that can extend the life of our counting uh, asset people always want to know that but if it's outside of the the depreciation of eight years they don't add that in it, it, so we have to look at each situation as it comes through so yes that help okay it's four o'clock